listening to Women and Music by Goldhand Girls. And we are your hosts, Alexa Ace and Michaela Chandler. Nova Twins are an English rock duo formed in London in 2014, consisting of vocalist slash guitarist Amy Love and bassist Georgia South. Rage Against the Machines' Tom Morello calls them the best band you've never heard of, while Iggy Pop notoriously adds Nova Twins to his BBC playlist. As two women of color in rock, this discussion touches on the BLM movement in music, stigmas of women in rock, and the DIY London underground scene. Calling in today from South England, introducing Nova Nova Twins. Twins. Hello, hello. How is everyone today? Good. We're great, thanks. How are you? Uh, we're doing fabulous. It's doing honestly well. really fucking early over here, so um, still getting coffee in our veins. But the sun isn't even up. No, not yet. So we are speaking to Nova Twins today. Um, ladies, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, we're, um, we're Nova Twins, like you just said. We're a band. Um, so, because you can't see us, I'm Amy, it's like vocals and guitar. I'm Georgia, I play the bass. And we also have a drummer live, so it's a three-piece live. We kind of do like, um, kind of like heavy. I wish heavy could be a genre, because I feel like heavy kind of just sums it up <laughs> without having to like label loads of genres. I guess it's like rock, hip-hop, uh, grime, R&B, kind of sounds electronic, even though it's all done on mm. pedalboards. Big riffs. Yeah, it's a big mash of everything in there, really. Wow. It's almost mm. like you guys created your own sound. Have you gotten that before? Yeah. A lot of people say that to us, but we, we just call it the Nova sound now. It's like, yeah, the, the, Nova Nova sound. <laughs> the Nova heavy. I love that. So where are you guys from? I'm from London. And I'm from Essex. Uh, so that's Georgia, London. That's awesome. I mean... We are big old UK fans over here and not to start geeking out over London underground scene. We'll get to that in a minute. But where did you guys get your sound from? Like when you first met, how did you know that you guys had some more sound or how did that begin? I think um, we hung out for a very long time before we became a band or even started writing together. So I think us kind of having that friendship and just kind of mm. liking the same music mm. when we actually came to write a song together it just slotted in straight away with like Amy's vocal style and my bass style it just happened instantly it wasn't really we didn't have to try too hard to get the sound that we have now because I think our just two personalities and elements just was the Nova sound that's so cool yeah. what was your first impression of each other well it was, <laughs> that was a lot Go. I was very young, so I felt like a, when were you? You was probably like I was at twelve, like 12, 12. Or something, and I you guys known each other for a while. Literally. Yeah, I was probably like, no. Amy was like, or something. Yeah, Amy was like the big sister I never had, so I always oh. just looked up to her. Because you're ta- so your brother. Yeah, like she went to college with my brother, so okay, we became close that way. And um, yeah, like she taught me how to put on my makeup properly. Like, in twelve, <laughs> wow. you have some slips. Makeup was a lot. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, she was guiding me through like everything a big sister could do. We definitely like. It was so funny because we kind of grew together because George's brother um, introduced me to the family, so that's what I was just always there because they're, they're all musicians. You see, like George's mom's a musician, the dad's a musician, the mm. bro's a musician. It's just like this crazy musical household, which is amazing to be around. And um, I just never left. And oh. we just all become a really cool unit. And then me and G just had this kind of like, well, actually, this, this, this connection that we'd just be on the level of like music and like jamming and all like chick flicks. It was anything, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It was, it was all just like, everything we wanted to do was just, I don't know, quite very similar. And then we just kind of grew together and found as we grew, we've gone to more projects and then we just grew together in a band. It was like, it was just inevitable. Mm. It was so funny. So were you guys just like jamming out in the room and then like looked at each other and like, holy shit, we're good. Should See, we start a band? We're not musicians. Is that how it, is that how it goes? Like, it, like, is it like, okay, you want to start a band? Yeah, we're going to start a band now. It was kind of like that. Like, I remember it was on Amy's birthday and she was, we already like wrote a few songs together and she was like, do you want to make it an official kind of thing, like being in a band? 
And it was so official. It was like a wedding proposal. It was like, are you going to be dedicated to the band? And I was like, yeah, like 100%, of course. And it was like, we are going to take this seriously and support each other and, you know, just try and achieve everything that we wanted to achieve and have dreamt about together anyway. Yeah. And it was quite scary because beforehand we'd been in like other projects and we just kind of finished with those things and we were just kind of a bit like, again, like in the same household together, just jamming, writing these tunes. And so I think when it comes to us being like, okay, we wrote these songs because I think it was your dad was like, look, it's, it's got nothing to do. We was bored one day. Mm. So you should just write a song together. And we was like, why not? And then we just come up with this. It was just literally like bass and vocal. Um, and it was like, wow, that sounds like something. We've stumbled across mm. something here. It just fit straight in like a glove. Mm. And um it was serious because it was like, if we're going to do this, we don't want to mess around again. We just want this to be the band that we're going to stick with, stay in, not just being all these different bands and suddenly like that doesn't work out. So we just made this like proposal. And since then, we've just kept <laughs> on on the road and kept focused, really. Wow. How does how did you guys yeah. come up with your name? Because it's so it was, unique and it's so like cute. so catchy. <laughs> oh thank you it took a while to be fair mm. we had another band name which was so terrible and for embarrassing like yeah <laughs> can you tell short us amount of time. no it's so embarrassing it wasn't for very long so you won't like find anything online luckily but um then we fat we just stumbled across twins first we thought there's two of us you know we're very simpatico yeah. and then we just started putting like different words in front of twins and then Nova came along and we found out it means like new beginnings in Latin, I think. And also like a supernova in disguise, quite explosive yeah. and energetic. So it kind of just fit. Um, but I think at the beginning we were like, is twin, it Twin Nova? Twin Nova. <laughs> twin Nova. Nova. Twin. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then we, it just stuck. Wow. We want to talk to you guys about um, how how different your sound is and why it's so important. How would you guys describe the London underground scene? I'd say it's the birth of all your favorite bands you're listening today. Those in kind of independent venues and small venues is the home. Of, it's where we all go to, to, to start out, to like practice, to get good, to find the audience that talks to your music and vice versa. It's, it's just the home of everything. It's the mother. Yeah. So like, and even if you're from another area, you might get big in your town, but you always end up in London. Oh. And that's, you have to go to London at some point, you know, because that's where everyone kind of is. It's just this hub of like creatives and different kind of different types of people from different walks of life. And you, you get influenced by just different kinds of music it's not just what you're what's surrounding you just like or maybe your hometowns into like I don't know like a beach town or wherever it's folk or indie you go to London suddenly you've got kind of like salsa going on through Camden market mm, yeah. and you've got like your metal scene and the underworld and you suddenly have like you know your reggae, nights, reggae yeah. nights and you know club music and it's just it's just a birth of so much um, creativity and it's so important, which is so such a shame to see a lot of these iconic smaller venues get closed down in this um, pandemic because it's going to be a problem moving forward. But yeah. Yeah, it, it is going to be a problem. And that's something that's also like really important to us is we want to know in your opinion, how can we better support some of these live um, venues that are that are unfortunately that are crazy iconic that are shutting down or even the underground musicians I think the problem is like because musicians are already struggling because of COVID it really should be the government helping and funding oh, the yeah. arts because I feel like to give it to a com that responsibility to a community is so tough when you have so much money there that you're spending elsewhere it's just so just horrid and I don't know. I feel like, you know, we'll end up protesting to save these venues again because they really have the amount of money and power to really make that difference. But it's just they're choosing to ignore art um, and not valuing it the same as other things. 100%. We need to hold the government uh, more accountable. Um, I think we need to, the music network could come together and find ways of, I don't know, just somehow surviving 
just that general support, isn't mm. it? And holding people accountable, like the people in charge. Because people forget that the, the music industry, the live industry is a multi-billion, um, you know, like t- trade that we're, you know, that helps in so many different ways and it, ref- it kind of funds um, our big charities. It's a big revenue for this country, London and New York, LA. Um, so, yeah, it's just holding them accountable and making them see us and acknowledge what we bring as a community. So you said making them see you. What's an example for you guys that, like, how do you make yourself seen? You just have to make a noise, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, like, making yourself seen, like, not even just in, like, the underground world. Not the underground world. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the underground world. <laughs> But but just in music in general, there is a lack of representation of women. So like how besides making noise, like what what are some things that you guys do to make women be seen in especially in your genre? I think, um, you know, I think there is a movement happening now, which is making people accountable for not putting more women onto the bills because it's been ridiculous. Like we've still, even from last year, been on festival lineups where we're the only women on the whole day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think now people are calling out festivals, like especially recently, Reading and Leeds got called out for not having enough women on there um, last year, and people now call them out, and they they have to make a change. So I think um, you know, as long as people keep fighting for what's right and giving people, even like big bands, like get female support acts as well and give them an audience and a platform and I think it's just everybody with a platform and an audience and higher up just needs to work harder to start diversifying the space yeah and I think a lot of um kind of like women and people identify as women and non-binary people we literally are kind of coming together as a unit and creating scenes for ourselves kind of thing so by creating them only kind of, you know, only femme lineup or, you know, these kind of uh, gigs and um, events and things, it creates a buzz around that and people look to it mm-hmm. and find a home and a safe space in them places. So I think there's so much of that happening, which is great. And it, and it's, you know, it gains traction. Um, and then, yeah, again, it's just, making sure we're all vocal about it and not silenced and making sure that we call it out as we see it and use our platform to help like other like-minded people like ourselves, you know? Mm -hmm. It really is like you have to be as loud as you fucking possibly can as a woman in the music industry. Screaming it from the mountains. And unapologetically as well. Yeah. Don't like doubt yourself. Because people will try and make you feel like you don't have a voice or they'll try and strip you from that. But... Sometimes you just have to go in there with a fierce mentality and know that what you're doing is on the right side of history and that we're just, we need to band together because I also feel the industry tries to pass against each other. Like they only give a really small spot to women, Mm. meaning that people can seem like they're fighting for one spot, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't need to be just one spot. There's millions of spots for, you know, especially white men out there. Mm -hmm. Then why can't as many for the rest of us you know it doesn't need to be that way so I think it's just about us pulling together as a community mm-hmm. and then wading in wading in on them kind of um the kind of bigots of the industry absolutely and like I'm just I'm wow I'm just so blown away by that because that is absolutely so true there are so many spots for women I love that you're like yeah there's it's like it, everyone's trying to fight for one spot. What a great way to put it because that's exactly There's what There's enough it fu- room for all of us. But that's what it fucking is. I feel like everyone right now literally is like fighting for that one spot, like that one, like, and I hate to say it like this because we love Ariana, whatever, but like that one, like Ariana Grande spot, you know what I mean? That everyone is trying to get to the tip top, like four women. And like, rather than it being a massive competition, it could be a, we could just walk up there fucking holding hands. Like, and I don't know how else to say it. I know that's so fucking peaceful and it's not, it's not really like that right now, but but I especially go ahead I was gonna say especially in like hip-hop music they Mm. put women up against each other all the time like why couldn't we have Nicki Minaj and and Cardi Cardi B B, but Mm. it was like oh Cardi B knocked Nicki off her spot it's just like why yeah Nicki ain't going anywhere (laughs) it's just like why can't you fierce women yeah um coming I like that Megan 
Cardi B, whatever you think of their music or, you know, like, or not, they came together and that's what it, I think that's what it's about. And everybody loved yeah. it as well. Yeah. They were like, what it's about, you don't have to be at war with it one, in, no. one another. You can just appreciate each other's art. Yeah. But the industry will make you feel that mm. way. And then what it, it does, it, it, it gives permission for toxic behavior. And then that leaks into the industry. And then that's why everyone's just kind of against each other. And this kind of, I don't know, this kind of cattiness between mm. um, just like this rivalry, which you don't need. Band together, we're stronger together. And then the real problem is the people in charge. Absolutely. I remember growing up and thinking like, literally in the music industry, there was this throne. And like to conquer it, you had to get on top of the throne. Not that there were multiple thrones for all of us to sit on. There was one and you had to fight each other and claw your way to the top to get there. And it is not like that anymore. And that mindset has to change and be shifted. Yeah. And just to change it also, I always say to change it for the for the kids who are up and up and coming. It's like if like like Cardi B and Mike the Stallion and Nicki Minaj, you know, it's like, you know, someone's knocked off the throne, but it it's all it's in a in a weird way, it's kind of like Oh man, I don't really want to get into this, but it's also like like queen culture. I don't know how to, I don't know if that's even a thing, but you know what I mean? Like yes, queen, like like whoever's at the top is the queen, but it's but there's a lot of us. You can have, <laughs> you can have loads of queens. You can have loads of kings. Yes. There's so many different artists that are similar. Loads of rap artists, but they all get their time to shine mm-hmm. at the same time. Loads of rock um, male acts. And that's another thing that kind of gets us is when people say, "Oh, there's not enough great kind of um female fronted um bands mm. out there but i'm just like how can you say that when you've got like so many like rock male bands indie rock male but so many of them some are good only the few of them and some are crap some are shit as well yep. so that's going to be the case in whatever gender you are however you identify as you, um of yourself is that's going to be the case you're gonna some people are gonna be great at what they do some people are not so good some people are mediocre some people in um a prodigy <laughs> at what they do you know like that's it but them levels exist in just human beings around the world anyway it's no different for women so yeah you got there are loads of amazing amazing like new um female acts out there well then I mean, when you say the word female acts i always find it strange because i'm just like Really, we're just people in bands, you know, artists. But at the moment, you have to kind of use, I guess, the word, because that's what exists at the moment. It's kind of forced us to differentiate ourselves into this category, this category, this category, so we can find our own spaces. But, you know, I feel like there's so many great people. So when we see promoters saying, there's just not enough out there, I'm like, how can you say that when you just put on a load of crap on your festivals? Mm-hmm. And there's so many great people out there just not getting the recognition they deserve just because of their gender. Oh, absolutely. So weird. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you, do you think that kind of influenced you, you guys, whenever you were creating your sound? Because it's just so like, it's almost like a, a scream, like, fucking pay attention. Yeah. Like as two as two black women <laughs> in rock, like how do you make sure that what you're saying is coming across w- with enough not even enough, but with grit? Like you have to stand your ground because tenacity. Just like, oh, yeah. I think that just comes from, you know, the very beginning, even from starting the band, we always had to shout louder than everybody else, especially being women of color. Um, so I think we got cut out. Yeah. So we had to, <sighs> um, you know, bef- bef- perform our best at every show. We had mm. to be like, OK, we need to absolutely slay it the best we can because this audience has probably 95% not seen a band like us before and we feel like we're representing all of the women of colour in alternative bands that they haven't seen yet so if we're the first one they see that's going to be their perception of black alternative art so we have to be the best version of that so they go home and start looking at other bands too wow yeah that um go ahead I think um when me and G started, we literally were, we felt quite cut out of the picture, even in um, at some points on um, some of the kind of big kind of magazines who'd pick up on like the DIY kind of um, female circuit, which was happening, like these great organizations that were happening, but we were all cut out the picture. It was really mm-hmm. strange. We was like, hang on a minute. Like 
we're riot girls too. We don't just because we don't look like your bikini kills or blondie mm. or like blondie or your L sevens and stuff. Like we're still right girls. We're still contributing to the movement, and we felt like because we didn't look a certain way at very early days. We're talking about um, it was really difficult for us to fit in with them. So we'd we'd have to then forge our own path, and then we ended up just playing these gigs and and promoters would see us from that way. And then we'd get the word of mouth would spread. And now we get booked onto these festivals and we had to work for years for people to see us gig by gig by gig, because people wouldn't write about us at first. It was really strange, but promoters would see the show and be like, this should be on the show. Mm -hmm. And that's why we've had been able to play like download Hellfest and these huge, like massive festivals which are heavily dominated by men. Me and Georgia managed to be in that space somehow, but it's just by being loud, by being upfront about things and just making sure that when we play that stage, we just, you know, do our very best to give it our all so people can feel that energy and know that, you know, we're not, we're not here just to, I don't know, just to fuck around. We're, mm. We want to be a part of that movement and we want to help out as well, just as well as our other kind of counterparts and our other... Um, you know, start to host community, community yeah. for sure. So it took us a, we had to out. Yeah. And I love how you're like, you know, and, and I don't want to offend any men by saying this either, but it's like when you're at these big rock festivals, you really, you have to show the fuck up. And it's so, I, I even, I hate, I start cringing at the fact that there are a lot of, I just don't want to offend anyone, but whatever, fuck it. Say there it. are a lot of men on the, on these ballots on these on these lineups and they aren't showing up like you guys are like like the women like the women of color have to like they might not even want to be there they might be hung over but then on the other stage over here you have two women who of color who are bossing it like it just it's just an example of how much harder women have to work just to be seen and heard and in all areas as well when we yeah. speak because obviously like in our team, we've, we we do have women like our PR and our blogger, the women and and people have been involved in helping us and been big, big influences on us, like your mom and things mm. like that. And um, but really strong women around us actually. And it's um, and then we hear other stories because then we meet other people through them and other women who have these horrible stories about their work placement and they kind of work their way kind of through to the top, but then there's some weird like boss. Creep, creep, mm. and these horrible, like, kind of sexual harassment stories, or this is indecent kind of um, behavior and things like that that they've had to like leave their placement to find somewhere else. And you kind of hear all these people's stories and think it's not just you know we, we are a part of such a bigger picture in the industry, whether it's to do with the promoters, um, um, the the sound, the everything, anything the music touches. I think it's a it's a bigger picture and. It's also so hard for women in a workplace like that because, you know, men wouldn't think about this, but women have to think about the way they talk to a male colleague because no. will they suddenly be a creep and get take something, a friendship no. the wrong way? And it's that just like so much. you have to put on this other front. And, you know, you can't really be yourself because if you're too friendly and too laughy, no. then, you know, they think you're, they're flirting with you. And it's just like all that pressure when you're just trying to do your job. Yeah. And it's just like, can't you just do your so job true. too and not be a creep? <laughs> we have to think about every move. You do, and it's just like exhausting. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're just trying to have a good time. You're like, oh, can't have too good a time because they're going to think this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's here. Yeah. And being, weird. and being around like label executives and that type of deal too. Because I can. I, yeah. Everything. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's happened to us. Do you remember when we a weirdo, yeah. we had a meeting and this guy was just calling us into I'm not gonna we're not gonna call him out, but it was a really one of the big uh, labels and he kept calling us into his office to say shit, to say nothing. And it was really weird. And then the second time didn't we could be a bit younger at the time, mm. we brought in did we bring in did we bring what? someone in? We were, yeah. I we brought in your mum or something to come with us because it was like, we don't get what this guy is doing. Obviously, he's at this massive prestigious company we all know of, but he's calling us in and not saying much, but, you know, maybe you should come with us this time. And this was a good few years ago. And then he 
called us in saying, yeah, I really love the music. Then he hadn't even listened to any of it. And he was just in there to like flirt with us. And then one of his colleagues, he tried to buy us a drink at this like gig. And he came to our show and we're like, okay, come. Then he was oh, like, no. do you want some drink? And buy us a drink. Like it was a date and we're just like, obviously we didn't expect. Great. It was so and then his Cringe. colleague, colleague pulled us to the side. His colleague got really drunk. Was like, "Oh, he's just a creep. He's so creepy. He's actually cringy creep." And we was like, "What?" And then was, this guy was just spilling the beans about yeah. his boss. And we were like, "Oh, right. Now we know." But we were so young and naive. We didn't go near him. We was just like, "This guy's full of shit." So let's just bring someone else with us. We didn't know, but so that's why I can see how women. It's so hard because they've got the power. It's part of this massive label. And you think, I've got to take this opportunity, but you just don't have to. Just don't let yourself get into that. There will be another opportunity. Don't feel cornered by a creep. Yeah. Do don't feel like you have to go for that meeting or... No. Just be like... And that's what I think with our music, it's everything how men want to portray women in the industry, like as you're kind of, kind of dulled up, not too loud, not too screamy, not too like fierce, you know, that kind of weird perception that a woman needs to be like that is really odd. Um, we're, I think we're opposite to that, you know, we don't feel the need to be like that. We, we're more, if anything, we're aggressive. And, mm-hmm. but it's funny how it gets picked up as, oh, you are aggressive. And then, and then it's yeah, you're intimidating. It's scary. But when they go and want to see Jason from Free, 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 Free on them lot, or like, um, who else? Any other make like Scream rock mode. star? They'll be like, "Yeah, man, you're you're the man, you're the man." But when we do that, like, oh, you you're so a bit intimidating. <laughs> and it's like, why? Like, is that because you don't say that to your male like to your male colleagues or your mm. your idols? You don't say that to them. You're just like, "Yeah, man, that was sick." But with us, it's it's a thing because we're acting like that. It's a weird thing. So on that note, how how do Nova Twins positively challenge the perception of punk? In our interviews, we've had like articles with um, I don't know, Rang and Enemy, and we've been outspoken because I think before the BLM movement, there's been times where we've kind of said things, but it didn't feel like appropriate to the people, so they might have not have put it in or they just kind of shuffle it under the under the rug. But we've always been actively kind of trying to do things like the voices for the unheard, trying to shine light on other kind of POC artists and stuff like that. I think, again, it's just going back to calling it out and um, just making sure you tell your story and other people's stories so people are aware that's going on. And I think we challenge it by just being ourselves and not letting anything kind of hold us back. So we just make sure if we're going to rock a throw, we're going to rock it unapologetically. We don't necessarily have to always press our hair to fit, fit in the rock scene. Or mm. if we're going to, I don't know, just... Even the way we dress. Like, I remember yeah. we turned up to Download Festival <laughs> in um, our, you know, the Devil's Face music video outfits. So they're bright latex red mm. um, outfits. And everybody else was in black. <laughs> but we're Hell just yes. like, you know what, we just... Everybody's staring at us like, well, we didn't get the dress code. It's all black. <laughs> <laughs> didn't get the memo. We just like, yeah we just turned up in bright red like fuck it but you're this like i'm here up. to stand out bitch <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah i'm freaking out do yeah. you feel like as a woman in music that you have to kind of like filter yourself to kind of fit into like specific categories like being in rock being in punk being in like this alternative scene do you feel like you have to like like alter your image or alter alter your voice to to kind of like represent your what am I trying to say like represent like who you are and like what your mission and what you're trying to say is do you feel like you have to alter that by any means we don't feel like that but I can see how people because you see there's a look of a person on a female fronted band that for an instant they all look the same so I can see how some women would think oh I need to look like this because that's what the industry accepts into the mainstream but um we just try and fight against anything that looks like that (laughs) because we just have to be ourselves we we, you can't compress yourself into Mm -hmm. something that you just will never be 
Mm. and you just make yourself feel really unhappy you just got to be yourself mm. or when you try to mold That's- yourself into like what's popular like it's only gonna be popular for so long like following trends and stuff yeah exactly yeah, we like- try not to stay away from that don't we like just stay in our bubble mm. and actually at the beginning we did have to ask ourselves when people when we first were a band it was like maybe you should be a bit more pop or you know you don't look like how you sound like it was a problem at first when we first come out we'd have all these weird like pop people kind of we love pop music we're not saying that we're saying the people who were in the industry who worked for pop mm. bands they would approach us on on basically on an image thing thinking we was going to be lighter than what we were and it was always a bit of a problem and I think me and G just looked at each other and was like look we can either make music for somebody else and what their mm-hmm. perception of what we should be or we can just take the long road <laughs> <laughs> and uh just do it because what makes us feel good and um, not kind of care about what anyone's thinking even though it might not we might not get this opportunity now maybe something will happen later so we did actually consciously make that decision like years mm-hmm. ago and then from that we just come up against all different obstacles and hurdles and kind of just stayed kind of true through it and I think loads of people are starting to do that and or have been doing that and know that later on it, it should pay off you know and it will it will with consistency too I think that as long as you keep going and, and stay grounded in what you believe in. 100%. That's what it is. And it's sad when you see people like been going for so long and then suddenly they're like, they give up at the last hurdle. I hate that when you think, why is this band broke up? They're so good. Or <laughs> just why that person's just given, and I, I get it, it's life. Hard though. Life. It's hard, especially when you don't get funding and yeah. help. Oh, yep. We yep. feel that. We know what that's like. You know, hard. many bands get their um, money from festivals and shows, oh, no. so it's definitely a hard time for bands. bands. It is so. But yeah, any band listening, just hold on. Hold on. Yeah, you know, so, the DIY. That's what we've always done, DIY. People think that we're spending dollar out here, and we ain't. People think our videos are like grand and grand, but literally just us painting But you make do. Like, literally, yeah. I love that. I feel like your videos, honestly, yeah, they they are very like, grandiose. And I and to hear you say like, no, they're DIY. That's so fucking empowering. Like you guys design so your cool. own costumes, don't you? Not costumes, but yeah. outfits. Fuck yeah. Because the stylist is so expensive. Yeah. <laughs> but then by doing that, we found actually we 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 found we another it, creative yeah. outlet that we like is actually designing clothes and stuff. So by being forced to not have the funding to do things and being DIY of it, we end up finding something better. It just takes- I'm getting more skills. Now we're like makeup artists, yeah. clothes designers, set designers. We're working on the hair front. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're working on our hair. But basically- but It's just practice. Yeah, what you're saying is you're going to do whatever you have to do to get there and to make sure that your image is exactly how you want it. Exactly. Yeah. That- I must admit, G's mum was always a really good influence of being like- um, be creative you know yeah, something might do it cost nothing. a thousand pounds but you know you can get it for this amount and it'll cost you nothing yeah. even like creative. a great example like our baseline bitch video was just us out mm. with my mom and a phone the wave video we like covered our hallway in foil yeah. <laughs> and a phone camera that's so devil's badass. face we went to being cute bought the cheapest paint that we could find and just someone had this like flat where um yeah basically a family friend had a flat that they hadn't done up yet so they let us literally paint the floor the ceiling the cooker because everyone was going to get out anyway we're so lucky um so we managed to yeah create a whole set out of this apartment being resourceful isn't it and there's obviously thinking about people who also like in your field or people who want to get involved and have fun because it's not always about the money like I want to get paid because when you're at our kind of level it's about being creative and you know we kind of want to be keep that creativity and work with other creative people because they bring something different to the table like the guy who films our videos Harry Lindley um he's incredible he's so 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 talented and he makes our videos look just you know, like it just does that cherry on the top, doesn't mm. he? For the album, he done all the album videos and it was really lucky to find him. So it's this collaboration as well, but with the right people. 
What does that collaboration kind of look like? Like, how do you guys come up with these concepts? For our videos, we kind of, we just think, what do we want this video to be like? And then we usually go on PowerPoint and literally just make like (laughs) mood boards of each scene of the video. Um, And it's quite detailed down to our outfits, what the set is going to look like, what's going to happen. It's quite amusing, actually. Sometimes you put my head on for some reason, like a a different body body and the outfit looks good. (laughs) It looks so crazy in these like little. It is uh, a yeah. funny mood board. Like, yeah, we just send that to Harry, and we're just like, "What can you do with this?" And he's just like, "Yeah, I can like create I a car this. chase, bullets, guns, yes." And we're just like, Something "Sick." <laughs> so, tell us about Voices for the Unheard. That came out of um, a playlist that we made called Voices for the Unheard. Um, after the BLM movement, that we were finding all these um, PLC alternative artists. We just wanted everyone else to discover them too. So we put them all on a playlist and we just wanted to do more. So we thought it would be great to actually get to know these new bands that we're discovering and hear what they've got to say um, about their journey to where they are now and also for our audience to discover them too. Mm. And it was just really like a fun thing to do. And um, we've like benefited so much from it also, just hearing their stories and advice being less isolated and yeah and just relating so much to each other because you before this movement we rarely spoke to people about how we feel as like women of color in this industry so it was great to kind of share experiences and shine light on those who light, had yeah. have a platform that's like just for that specifically mm. and just share our platform as well you know mm. like yeah, totally. it was just sometimes we discover a band who literally you know, there's bands that you're always looking at and being like, oh, have you found this band? And I'd be like, no, who are they? And we <laughs> check them out and they've got like a hundred followers and we're like, why are they not doing anything? They're amazing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So um, we put them on the playlist just to share, just it's kind of creating more of a community. And so who are some of those, who are some of those women or who should we check out? Oh, there's so many. Um, on the top of my head, um, Echo Vandal's really great. Have you heard of her? Uh-uh. Um, She's from Australia. Um, Pleasure Venom's a great punk um, band. Uh, Meet Me at the Altar is a great like punk pop band. Know that one. Divinity Rocks is an amazing um, bass player artist. She's incredible. Um, Big Joni are really cool. Big Joni. Yeah, um, and obviously you got some who obviously I love Little Sims as well. I feel like she catches. Mm. she's doing amazing now but underrated for so long Connie Constance is really cool we had her on the show yeah there's so many and then we got like Rico Nasty on there yeah. Chloe oh, Halley hell yes Chloe Halley literally Chloe Halley is girl. so good like insane Zaria Zaria's awesome Bitch Boy is pretty cool track wow yeah there's loads of cool people on there holy cow I mean and we're still more it's literally crazy it's so incredible (laughs) that you guys like are having these conversations with people because for me it's always like to happen it of course step one but two it's also nice to like break down the musician that there's more to the music because at the end of the day we are all people we all have stories we all have influences that have impacted our lives and like to hear those come to fruition and how they like how they navigate their lives and how it impacts their music is so like it becomes so much more in depth. Yeah, yeah exactly. 100%. You just um I think also on every person's journey, you start off doing something for the love of it, or in our case, it was just for the love of it. And then suddenly you realize there's a greater responsibility more than just what you love about it. Mm. It suddenly becomes this thing that actually means something to other people too and you can actually do something more than it than just self-indulge mm-hmm. like I think some bands are just like I think that's okay and you don't have to always necessarily always feel like you need to bloody save the day or something but I feel like when you're in like a punk band I feel like it's, a, it's quite essential that you're commenting on things that you see or and helping your community you're in a community or yeah do you know what I mean just thinking like you're it's, that's where it kind of stems from you know sharing that yeah, just sharing what you've got and being a part of something that's bigger than you. Absolutely. I think. So we know it's around 
some of the movement people, some people some punk bands were quiet around BLM <laughs> didn't say nothing mm. literally stayed off social media when like, it's about venues mm. and they're like save the save venues we've done save lives and I was like how do you guys feel about using your voices in 2020 right now especially with everything going on in the world I think when it when BLM first happened we literally felt so like powerless at first because yeah. it's such a big um issue that we still face which is so systemic we thought how are we gonna even try touch on this touch on this or make any change so we just thought that we have to just do what we can in our field to help uh the problem so that's why we created the show and the playlist and i'll continue to kind of educate um our audience on black history because we're having to relearn everything because they haven't taught you know us anything in schools really about it so we're just trying to help that way but it was it was um weird at first you just feel so powerless yeah but then you use your voice exactly and I think it's just about yeah just saying what's on your kind of heart really as well I think some people pre-think everything so oh I'm not going to annoy everyone if I say this, but if you're trying to say something that's trying to help other people, you know, trying to lift up someone else and trying to call out uh, just plain racism, something like racism, I don't know why it's debatable. It it, it mind boggles us. It shouldn't be even a debate. People deny that it's still there and it's really strange to us. Like, it it doesn't make sense. So calling out racism it's not us trying to be one way or another. It's just plain wrong. Racism is just wrong, mm-hmm. you know? There's no debate about it. So, of course, we're going to talk about it. So when people try and stay out of it, I'm like, what are you staying out of? You either debate. call out what you're seeing. You know, mm-hmm. if someone across the road was getting killed or something or beaten up, are you going to be like, well, it's not, you know, oh, well? You wouldn't. You would think you'd either call the police, you'd do something to help. But in this case, some people have somehow came to but they somehow thought that actually I, I i have an option in this and uh actually i don't have to look at this mm-hmm. <laughs> is it wrong i don't know you know it's wrong <laughs> like, it's so yeah, it's, it's weird not, it's not a debate it's almost like it, and it's like i almost it's almost like when men have a say they think they have a say over an ab- over abortion like just straight yeah. up it's yeah. like you have you have no say like just let like People of color need to be heard. Um, women's bodies are women's bodies. It is just common sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what we try and do on our page as well is kind of um, open the conversation. So you're allowed to um, ask questions and yeah. slip up because people have inboxed us and been like, you know, is this wrong if I do this? Or they just question us. But we're not going to be like, oh, you shouldn't have said that. Mm-hmm. You just say, oh, this is how, you know, kind of should be said. And then they're like, oh, thank you. I'll take that on board. Yeah. It's just about because not everyone doesn't know everything straight away. And you're not I don't think anyone can do even we don't know everything. So I think it's just allowing people to learn um, in a safe way because mm. um, then they'll actually progress and move forward. And to lend a hand. Like that you said that it's yeah. a it's a conversation. I love it's a conversation, conversation but not a debate. That's a great way to put it. Exactly. Like, it's a conversation if you, you actually uh, when somebody was listening, yeah. If someone's listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on here, how do you guys prepare for festivals and iconic moments such as playing writing in Leeds? Oh my god, don't. <laughs> we have a good Oh, oh no! From, when did we last gig in February? Oh. Yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, we're gonna have to. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I've literally been locked down. We haven't been moving much. I mean, Georgia, you've been jogging. I haven't. Jog occasion. A week. <laughs> I did an exercise for a week and just stopped. So I think for us, we've we've been writing. So our actual creativity. Um, our minds have been. Active. Our minds have been active in a really good way, but I feel like our body is not. <laughs> on, a, on a normal year, we'd just go into rehearsals and just rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, just do it. 
when you yeah. when you guys were preparing for shows and you know what that's gonna come back all it positivity like I, I as as someone in the music industry we we're just always like we can't you can't even kind of think about like live shows right now because first off it's just painful but so we're just thinking about the future and we're just holding on to that and the fact that shows will happen um but how do you guys prepare prepare for shows differently depending on the audience size I think we treat every gig the same. I don't think we uh, uh, change anything to do with the size of the venue. Mm. Um, I think, yeah, any audience is kind of the same. You get the same level of energy and show. Um, obviously, the bigger stages takes a lot more running around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love you. You learn, don't you, yeah. actually? Because when you're on a small stage, you don't, obviously, you've only got a certain amount of room to move, but you learn when you're on a bigger stage is how to like utilize, utilize the space and also speak to the people right at the back because mm. it's easy to get played on what you see directly in front of you. But when you've got them big audiences and that's just like playing different gigs, I guess you kind of get used to it. But we just warm up, we exercise, we shout a lot, we get into like Before rugby show, mode. Yeah. On our last tour, we started like working out so hard, like, 20 minutes before the show oh wow. we actually but we were a bit scared we thought oh, we're just tiring ourselves out before this like hour show it actually makes you feel better it's really yeah. weird so were you just doing what? some like <laughs> jumping jacks before you get on stage or much we'd like run around be so out of breath and then at first we were like oh no we're so tired that will be done (laughs) (laughs) and then we'd be like oh my god we feel great yeah because it it warms you up properly because what we was finding is that when we didn't warm up we'd go into this high energy performance from nothing sitting in a van traveling place and then it would be really hard the first Mm. half of the set and then we'd warm up on the second half but like once we realise you need to fucking work out before you go in, do an hour <laughs> set and go crazy for an hour, it actually does help. So we've, we've just learning, aren't mm. we? Learning along the way what works for us. I really appreciate that you guys say, like, no matter the venue, no matter the size of the audience, like, we've, we've the played show. the exact same. And that kind of goes back to what you said earlier, Georgia, that, like, you guys leave it all on the stage. Like, you go out every show because you never know who's in the audience and that that might have an impact on them yeah and like you know everybody's still bought the same ticket no matter if it's a 200 cap venue or a 6,000 cap venue so you still gotta bring a great show yeah, so true, <laughs> I'd be yeah. pissed if my favorite band just did like a lame show for a smaller yeah. venue <laughs> and sometimes the smaller venues are more scary because yeah. People are seeing you fully. You see when, everyone's face. You see everyone's face, everyone's expression. When you play them massive shows, you can't really see people's faces <laughs> properly. <laughs> and you're on a stage that's like quite far away. So you feel like you almost feel like you're yeah, not untouchable. Yeah, yeah. You're just like, okay. But when you're so close to people and everyone can literally touch your guitars, yeah. and it's like if you mess up or if you do anything wrong, they're going to clock everything. They're going to see your facial expression. How do you, how do you guys feel about that? Because, okay, so I, I asked the um, audience size question because, like I said earlier in our meeting, um, I randomly saw you guys in 2016 and had no idea, no idea until this month. Um, and I remember very specifically, and wait until you guys see these photos, like you'll be like, oh, wow, I see what you're talking about. I was like up in your grill. I don't know how I, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how I did this, but my disposable camera, um, Georgia, I think like I'm like right underneath your guitar. <laughs> Does it ever bother you when you're at like when you're at when you're at these small shows and and photographers are like in your face trying to get the shot? Uh, we don't mind. My only thing is when people take pictures of my pedal board, I'm a bit like, this is my stuff. Oh, really? <laughs> like- you're protective over that? Yeah, like <laughs> that's so interesting because really people do that. They do. I spe- I think before I taped up everything, got really neurotic about it. So people used to just come on stage and take pictures of like my gear and like be like, I'm gonna post this online. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I just like mm. I don't like that. So I just taped it all up. Yeah, I used to have um, a friend who did that before like every gig before the artist would walk on stage and they would make sure like to be at the at the at the barrier and get a photo of the pedal board and just to see like what the artist was playing on. And it's like, that's so intrusive. Yeah, but I get if you want to have a look, but I think um, photos and then posting it's a bit much. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't, pictures, we don't mind. All right, last question here. 
and this is something that we ask everyone because it is so important to us. Um, what's your gold moment? So this could be like the moment that you're the most proud of, that you're, it's your pinch me moment. Like, oh my gosh, we did this. Like, what, what does that moment look like for you guys? That's a hard question. Mm, um, I feel like we've had a few. It's definitely been like a like couple. different ones. I was yeah. going to say when we just won the Heavy Music yeah, Award. Yeah, that was a nice um, moment. Yeah, we won like the best UK breakthrough band, wow. um, Heavy Music Award. And we, we just was just like, what the hell? This is mm. mental. We don't really see like just two women of colour, like a, a duo winning like a Heavy Music Award. That hasn't yeah. happened for, I don't know. So for us, that was just like, Oh, it's, it's like a moment, moment to know that maybe the industry is slowly changing. Um, mm. That was a happy moment. Some of our little <laughs> smaller headline shows as well. Yeah, some really sick great. ones in France as well. Yeah. And Hellfest, that was big, big, big Hellfest. moment. That was like 22,000 people. Mm. Oh, wow. And that was like our biggest show today. To yeah, we haven't done it <laughs> bigger than that. Um, so there's been a few different ones. I think even small gigs, they're so fun. And that will even be a moment when everyone's just like, the bar so much energy. Camden Assembly. Oh, remember we I love that a- venue. That oh. venue's really cool. We had a great, I remember that show because it was, it was kind of like, we sold it out, I think, nearer to the actual day. Mm-hmm. And I just remember the photographer took it. It was just a mental night and we hadn't, I think we never really sold out our own show before. Yeah. And it was probably, what, 150 cap or something? But it was a special It was a special moment. I remember that gig so well. I think some of the um, gigs that we've done supporting people as well. Like, I remember we did... Um, Profits of Rage. Profits of Rage. We did some really iconic venues there, and it felt like, whoa. Yeah. Wow. Or, like, Bricks in a Cap, we played with Wolf Alice, and that was... That was really cool. With Wolf Alice. Just some like, yeah, just some like really cool venues which you always like mm. dream of playing when you're um, in a band. Okay. Yeah. Like- Please never stop doing what you guys are doing because we are so in all of you and we just we love you guys so much and we love that what you guys are doing and just okay. thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. Great. great. Thanks for listening. We love sharing the voices of leaders, especially those of color and those who are women. Nova Twins have made an iconic name for themselves and Women and Music is here to support. Mick, what are some songs you're listening to this week? I mean, my favorite by Nova Twins right now is Baseline Bitch. Duh, that's the shit. Duh. I turn it up. Oh, you have to. And they recently put out a new single called Play Fair. Oh my gosh, it's all about revenge. Yeah, I don't play fair. Um, Some other songs you guys should check out this week are Bloodhound by Scott. I cannot stop fucking playing it. I don't know why. It's just so good. Um, Pretty Head by Transviolet and Overwhelmed by Royal and the Serpent. I'm so into Royal and the Serpent right now. I have been playing the entire album of Machine Gun Kelly. Every single song. Oh, yeah, you have. This girl's got a crush. Most of the world does. Guess what, guys? Guess what? We only have one episode left for this season. Who's it going to be? I don't know. You'll have to wait and see. Next week. Okay, bye.